0: Welcome back to the Access Potential Podcast. You're here with John Marsh, and this show is all about exploring real and important topics around small business, marketing, health, and the culture. So today, we've got a really cool conversation with Narasim Hadas. and he is one half of Vulcan House. So Narasim Hadas and his partner, Makai Rishi, They created Vulcan House. Vulcan House is like a, it's a lot of different things. It's like a creative hub. They do fashion design, they do art, they do different therapies, they write, uh, they create NFTs, they do different collaborations in fashion and different areas. And I first came across Vulcan House and Narasimha Dasa's work through Rama Institute. So Rama Institute do Kundalini Yoga. Uh, My wife's been practicing with Rama for a number of years and I became aware of Vulcan House through this. I could kind of see some of the collaborations they were doing with Guru Jagat uh, and Rama and basically uh, I started to check out their work a little bit and then more recently found Vulcan House on Instagram and saw the NFT work. Uh, that they were starting to do. So I reached out because I could sense straight away that there was a lot of energy behind Vulcan house. And I think what's happening uh, in the culture, one thing that's very clear is in small business, the the culture, the different audiences are asking us to bring more of ourselves to the table, more energy to the table, more, you know, resonance to the table. Uh, I, I tend to not use the word authenticity, but it's it's like bringing more of our story into our work and into our marketing. And then we can feel that and uh, and sort of connect with it on a deeper level. And so that's sort of the context. I could sense that this was happening very much with Vulcan House and the work that uh, Narasim Hadassah is doing and what he's creating. So I reached out for this conversation and it was a lot of fun. We talk about creativity we talk about his story and how he got into doing what he's doing. We talk about the this concept of bringing like a high vibrational energy into your work and what that looks like for him. And then we talk about NFTs, a little bit of stuff around the metaverse. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. So if you're, whether you're you know coaching or whether you've got a creative business yourself or even service business, Whatever you're doing, I think you'll get some really cool takeaways from this, uh, specifically around how Narasimha Das thinks about what he's creating. There was a section in here that I really loved around, you know, basically doing what he wants to do, and it's super powerful. So let's jump into the show. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Access Potential podcast, and... Today, we're with Narasim Hadas from Vulcan House.
1: I mean, it's kind of, um, what I'm doing now is sort of an amalgamation of everything that I've been into my entire life (laughs) at this point, you know. So um, uh, as far as from an artistic standpoint, I spent 25 years working in the uh, tattoo industry. And um, I I got into that very young. I mean, I was 17 when I first uh, started kind of getting into that um, lifestyle and um, I had a I had a shop in Ellicott City, Maryland, which is outside of Baltimore for a while, and you know I was never I never. I was never really good rolling, so I was never a tattooer, um, so I was a body piercer and I became I had this I developed this really interesting skill set where I could uh, manage tattoo artists, because oftentimes they were such so much into their art. That just regular day-to-day stuff would go flying by their heads, and they wouldn't be able to do it. So I was able to sort of wrangle their lives. So for a long time, um, I worked with some of the the best tattoo artists in the world, um, kind of helping them just live while they were while they were drawing and and tattooing and stuff like that. Um, so I was immersed in um, a very very rich artistic tradition um, for for decades, and I was able to sort of pull a lot of that um, that creativity and sort of it's inspiration and started focusing it into things that I found I was a little more um, able to do artistically. Um, funnily enough, for a long time, I didn't think I was a creative person. I thought I was just sort of like the, um, the you know, the the very uh, grounded sort of I do this uh, linear thinking. And I, I sort of enabled creative people around me to be creative. And I just sort of shut that part of myself off for a long time. Um, and then when I met my wife, McCarty Rishi, she kept telling me, no, you're creative, you're creative. And I'm like, nah, I'm not. I'm cool. I'm fine with, with what, uh, you know, kind of how I've I've, I've gotten to this point. Um, and uh, after my stint in the tattoo industry, I did start working in men's fashion for a while. Um, I, I, I'm very uh, knowledgeable about different fabrics and cuts and um, how garments are made and the sort of inspiration behind them. So I worked for a couple of um, of companies, essentially what I would do is I would write the manuals for their product knowledge. So like their spring drop would come out. I would see all the stuff that was coming and I would sort of write it in a way that the employees would be able to use the verbiage to sell the clothing. Um, So I would be able to increase their knowledge of what they were actually selling um, just through my love of clothes and and fabric in general. Um, So I sort of, uh, you know, again, I didn't consider that to be especially creative because I wasn't, you know, designing or anything like that. But like now that I look back on it, like the actual writing of those manuals was pretty creative, you know? So I started getting a little more um, confident in my own creativity. Um, And that was, you know, another 10 years or so after the, uh, it sort of melded together with my tattoo experience. And then after that, I sort of shot off into the the men's fashion um, for a while. And I met a lot, again, a lot of amazing designers, a lot of amazing fabric makers. you know like uh, people who make tweed for instance i think i love watching people loom tweed i just think it's a great experience you know so i get really into the sort of nuts and bolts of of that sort of thing um and you know kind of pulling it from this direction i mean at the same time i was sort of going through a spiritual awakening and um really kind of tapping into that that inner god inside of me um that inner creator and let sort of letting him go free for a little while and just explore a bunch of different things um, I started writing poetry, I started designing um, graphics for clothing, I started doing all these kind of small things, just just with things that I was um, inspired by throughout my own life, you know. Um, and that's kind of where it started, you know, it's kind of like the the foundation of, of what I've gotten into from from that point, you know.
0: Yeah, when you started to, I guess, have this, you know, more spiritual journey or sort of new direction in your own personal life, was this something that you were straight away like, I need to find avenues to bring this into my work? Or were you already doing this? Or was there conflict in how you were working? Or how did you sort of meld the two together?
1: Well, you know, funnily enough, I I would say that there was conflict initially. Um, My spiritual awakening sort of, uh, my wife and I owned a small salon in san francisco for almost 10 years and um that was our that was sort of our life for a while you know like i, I ran it and she did the hair um which kind of put me back in that old taking care of the creative person you know that that, that sort of thing the uh, tattoo industry and the hair industry are very similar in a lot of respects um, and that was also the time when i really started kind of going through my spiritual awakening and um, at a certain point, my wife, McCarty Rishi, got very sick and we had to close the salon because um, she couldn't work. So during that period is when I really my spiritual awakening really kind of kicked into to gear, you know, because I wasn't really. I didn't have a bunch of different um, things outside of myself to be concerned about. It was essentially just survival and my wife's health, like those are the two most important things. Um, so i sort of pulled back from everything when i really had my first sort of spiritual awakening experience um i mean i got rid of i had i can't even thousands of dollars worth worth of clothes you know from being in that industry for a long time which i just sort of donated because i felt like being on the spiritual path didn't sync up with um clothing design and things like that that, that those things were a little too vapid for me to be giving my attention to, um, so I did feel a lot of conflict at first. Of like, you know, how do I sync up my old life with things that I really enjoy, with this new sort of spiritual mindedness, this path that I was on? Um, and I went for a year, which uh, with like uh, the Hindus called brahmachari. I mean, I shaved my head, I got rid of all my old clothes, I stopped eating pretty much everything except for grains and uh, and fruit. Um, you know, I really kind of was living as a monk for about a year. Um, to sort of rid myself of those attachments, as the Buddhists would say, you know, with uh, clothing and th- these other kind of things. Um, but as we started, my wife obviously got better. She healed and we started um, practicing yoga in, in a more, uh, you know, sort of practiced way. It wasn't just sort of loose like it was before. And I noticed that, um, you know, the clothes that people were wearing to yoga class and things like that didn't really speak to me. You know, like I didn't really want to wear this, this sort of standard issue um, yoga clothes. So um, I come from a punk rock background and I started taking old punk rock record albums and band logos and putting mantras with them. So like, you know, there was a I don't know if you're familiar with the band Black Flag. They're a pretty famous punk band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, they have a logo that's just like four bars. Right. So I took that logo and instead of Black Flag, it said Sat Nam on it, you know. So I was doing yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff just for me and my wife to wear, you know, because we were, that's where we came from. And I wanted to kind of, and that was the first moment where I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. This is maybe something I could do. And then we'd go to the yoga studios or we'd go to Rama or something like that. And people would be like, oh, wow, that's, where did you get that shirt? Or, you know, and I was like, "Oh, I just made them for us, you know, and people really liked them. So I started making them in earnest and then really started kind of branching out from there for the clothes, you know, like making designs a little more bold or, just doing different things um and at that point uh you know we were friends with Guru Jagat and she saw how people were reacting to these clothes so she asked us to um come on to her robotic disaster line which is like her streetwear line and um, I designed Correct. the last two lines of the robotic disaster line before she passed away um yeah so I really kind of take that and she you know Guru Jagat comes from a punk rock background too she loved all the punk stuff so you know, we kind of used that iconography and and you know worked with her with a little bit with that. And that was the last couple of lines like that where just sort of that inspiration of a, a thing that I was doing specifically for myself, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how everything came together initially, you know, with the spirituality and designing and being creative. Yeah.
0: yeah. well, I just wanted to say, I mean, everything that's come up to that point, like it feels like when I would, you know see, the robotic disaster stuff. And obviously I'm at at a very much arm's distance over here, but um, you could really tell that there was a, you know, uh, a really perfect fusion between all of you and what was coming out was super cool. It was so in line with different people's story. You could just feel it, but then also so progressive and kind of forward looking as well. And um, the question I had is, yeah, and i'm sure we'll go different places with this but uh the thing that's striking me is how you seem to come through everything looking forward like seeing what's happening you walk in and people are noticing and that's not always easy right especially when you're in small business because you kind of you've got something going on and you're like i've got to protect my you know i've got to protect what i've got and then i've got to build on it and whereas you're kind of going like All right these people really like that and maybe I could make more of that and sort of zagging do is that um something that's easy for you or natural for you to kind of explore or maybe you could just talk a little bit on that
1: that you know I think that the big the big sort of push behind that is I get bored really easily (laughs) so as I make you know the the first couple designs I made were very simple They, they weren't complex to to design or to produce um which, uh, you know, so I, I decided I needed to keep sort of pushing ahead and, and doing more. Um, and and I, I was, it's funny, I was actually just having this conversation earlier today that I don't make things for other people at all. Um, the, I make things for me, I make things for my wife, you know, like she'll, she'll come up with an idea and ask me to design something. And that's where it comes from. And I get, I don't like to rest on my laurels. So if I make something that's relatively easy, I will figure out a way to sort of, you know, as I continue to learn whatever medium I'm working with, I add on to it. I expand it. I try to put more of myself into it. Um, I don't really love quoting like spiritual people or anything like that, but Bruce Lee, like I love this quote and I apply it to my life in general, but I really apply it to my art or, you know, whatever I'm making is um, take what works, leave what doesn't, add your own and keep moving forward. You know, and I really I I really believe that, you know, pull from something that that resonates with you and then run it through whatever filter that you're going through in life right now and see where it comes out, you know, but continue to look down the line. Like, where can I take this? How much bigger can I make it? How much smaller can I make it? What can I add to it? What can I take away from it and still keep it fresh and keep it moving forward? Um, You know, I I look at a lot of the, the stuff that I made, even six months ago, you know, and it's like, okay, like that was cool at the time. At the time I loved it, you know, I thought it was great. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I can improve upon this. I can do this. I can add this. I can maybe, you know, work on this a little more um cohesively with this program or whatever it is, you know. So I, I kind of like look back at my stuff and I try to continuously move forward with it. Um I can give you a, an example of this was that uh when I was making clothes for guter Jugget and I was also making clothes for our brand, the House at the same time. Um, so I got into, when we were in Los Angeles, I got into, um, ice dyeing. When I moved to LA from San Francisco, like every, I saw every kid I saw on the street had those ice dye, like t, like they're like tie dye t-shirts, but they're done in a different way. So it doesn't have the circles. Yeah. You know, you, I'm sure, you have seen them in Australia, it was so hot in Los Angeles. I mean, everyone had them, all the cool kids on the street were wearing these. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna start making these. So I learned how to do it. And it was pretty easy. It's a pretty nuts and bolts thing, you just, uh, you know, you put ice on the garment, you sprinkle dye different color dyes the way you want to do it. And then as the ice melts, it pulls it through the fabric and you get these one of a kind designs, right? Um, So I wanted to take it a a step further, because I knew that I was going to be targeting what I was making towards spiritual communities. And Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, I had seen a documentary called The Secret of Water. And um, it's all about water and you know how, how precious water is and um, there was a Japanese scientist named Dr. Emoto. Um, He passed away a couple of years ago, but he spent 30 years, you may be familiar with him. He spent 30 years studying ice crystals and the formations that they make when you play different kinds of music, prayers, chants, um, and you know, it's like something beautiful. He would put on a Buddhist mantra and it would be like a perfect snowflake, beautiful, symmetrical. And he would put on like Norwegian death metal and it would be all jagged and messed up and you know not very beautiful. So since we are you know 70% water, that's kind of why like when you chant a mantra, you feel better, you know, because you're actually changing the frequency of the water in your body. So I wanted to try to do that with the clothes I was making. And um, as the ice was melting and pulling the dye through when I was making those ice dye, I had a mantra playing right next to it the whole time that it was melting to try to shift that water molecules as they're being pulled through the fabric and locking into place with the dye. Um, and I got some very interesting results right off the back. Like the, the designs that I was, were creating were coming out more symmetrical and that shouldn't have happened. You know, like it was very random the way that I was making them. Yeah. Um, so that sort of struck me as, okay, like this is the next thing I'm that. I'm gonna add like a, a higher frequency, a higher vibration to the actual process in which I'm making these you know, shirts with what they, they were at the moment, um, you know, so that, I guess it's kind of a long-winded answer, but yeah, I'm always trying to see what I can do further down the road to make it a more interesting product. Like mm-hmm. I, I know, I'm never going to sell a million of those shirts because the general consensus is like, who cares? But for the people that know, and people that are interested in that, it's like, wow, that's an extra step that this guy took to like, just add an extra layer of love to the garments that he's selling to people, you know? And yeah. totally. Yeah.
0: Um, that really resonates, you know, I think that the more we go, it feels like the more that, you know, you said that you're making, you're making stuff like for yourself, right? Obviously people fall in love with it too. And I'm sure there's like the, the, you know, the thing where they get it and that's, that's a big part of it as well. But there seems to be a sensitivity, a kind of a resonance that we have even online that we can pick up when someone's like really um I don't really want to use the word kind of authentic but they're really putting their essence or their what they're into just like what they what lights them up into the product the service whatever it is um and we're kind of seeking that out it feels like whether it's just in content or or whatever's whatever the business is doing um do you think that that's kind of the future of of where we're going, and that we've caught up, so caught up, and got to this place where you can't sort of fake it anymore. Like it's about bringing yourself into it, and then the work is kind of like on your frequency and on on you as the person who's creating that. Is that sort of how you how we're talking about it?
1: I, I, yes, I really I, I think that that's super important. Uh, let's let's look at fashion, for instance, right. So let's look at someone like Alexander McQueen, who was an absolute artistic genius. You know, I mean, he basically sculpted fabric. His designs were absolutely incredible. And when he was alive, if you bought a, you know, $50,000 gown from Alexander McQueen to go to the Getty Museum or something like that, whatever whatever rich people do, um, you know, you could feel that resonance, that love that he put into it. But now, It's like, and and actually Alexander McQueen would do some interesting things. He would take bits of his hair and weave it into dresses. He would take drops Mm. of his blood and put it inside of things, you know, because he understood that as well. Once he died, I mean, his clothing now, it's like, you know, you can go buy a $300 T-shirt that says Alexander McQueen on it. But I mean, what what does that mean? You know, how does that, how does, like, and would he have even done that? Would he have even sold a T-shirt with his name? Like, I don't think he would have. You know, so it's a watered down thing. And sure, the I think the Gucci company owns Alexander McQueen and they're making millions of dollars. But that initial like beauty, that vibration, that frequency that he literally would put into his pieces, Fantastic. that's gone, you know? And it it's it, it goes back to your point of like an authentic piece of what you're going to do, you know? Like at this point, I don't really see myself as spiritual or not spiritual. I just am, right? But since I know... About myself spiritually, I need to put that into whatever I do. You know, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know what I came here to do, and I need to do that with every single thing. Whether it's an NFT, whether it's a shirt, whether I'm you know designing curtains for someone, which I actually did last summer. Um, you know, I always try to put some of that resonance into it. And I've actually had quite a few people, you know, like email me or leave me a message or something and say like, "Hey, I feel it. You know, I get it. I can feel." But there's something different about this shirt, you know, and it's even if it's just something that's implanted because they saw a video that I did about the process, it's still something that's I think and authentic and that someone can actually hold like, yeah. OK, you know, a a 12 year old slave in China didn't produce this. You know what I mean? Like someone really made this with love. Um, so I mm. think that, yeah, it is where we're going. I think that people are able to see, you know, pardon my French, but they can see through the bullshit pretty clearly now. You know, a lot of people want sort of a higher authentic either experience, piece of art, piece of clothing, meal, whatever it is, whatever it is someone's creating, they want to feel that authenticity because that's where the connection is, especially now that, you know, with COVID and the world being shut down for almost two years now, you know, this has been the thing, you know, the the, the Zoom calls and the FaceTimes and that lack of connection with the actual person has sort of made us feel that disconnected you know so now if you can get something in the mail that you know someone put time into and energy into that's like another to me that's another level up than just buying something because it's cool or you know like you saw a movie star wearing it or or whatever it is
0: yeah and we're seeking out all of that change and the exploration that's going on is like a um, it's like a sign of the humanity you know it's like the fact that you're doing different projects in of itself, is kind of felt as like a pulsing of 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 your life, you know. So then we're more drawn to each of those things. Um, that that's what I felt anyway. Like I, you know, you and you feel this a lot, like around locally or or online. But um, straight away, even when I saw the NFTs, which I want to talk about later as well, I'm like, wow, there's like a lot. Like everyone's doing these pictures of monkeys and stuff like this and you know here's these radical different nfts there's a lot of color uh i'm interested in this like what's going on um but first my question is what's your practice look like how how are you you know not to kind of break it down too mechanically but like how do you how are you living or what are you doing in your day to um To keep fresh, to keep that energy up, to to be able to infuse it then into the work.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I joke. I joke with everyone now and say my whole life is a practice. (laughs) Like, there was definitely a time in the beginning stages where I would get up and do yoga from this hour to this hour, meditate for this amount of minutes at this time, do this chant. um, You know, eat strictly this and not that. Like, absolutely. Like, I I went through those stages. But but again, like to go back to my my Bruce Lee quote, you know, like we for Kundalini yoga, for instance, you know, like we've practiced it very, very heavily um, for years now. And now I kind of get it right. So I don't have to get up and do two hours of a certain uh, class with a certain teacher anymore because I listen to my body. I'm like, okay, I need to work on my hips today. need to work on my shoulder, whatever it is. And I get into that Kriya to do it. Um, I was also very, very into Bhakti yoga before I found Kundalini. Um, so, you know, like lots of chants, lots of mantras, but even again, back then I was doing it in a prescribed way, you know, this teacher, this guru, whatever wants you to do it this way, you got to say it like this. Um, and after sort of going through these different things, and I mean, I've studied everything from alchemy to, hermeticism to Hinduism, Buddhism, I mean, you name it. I've, I've kind of gone through all of those isms and ists and all that sort of thing. Um, but at a certain point, I realized that, you know, my perception is everything in my life, you know, and other people's perceptions can't even perceive what I'm perceiving. So in that in that sort of, you know, um, that realization that I came to, it was like, uh, you know, you listen to the Hindus, you listen to the Buddhists, even the esoteric Christians. They tell you that you're God, you know, like that you, that you are the power of God that, you know, even, you know, Jesus said, don't worship me, be me, right? Like, how wrong did we get that? But, but he was like, you know, like, no, you don't, don't bow down to me. I'm just showing you what to do so that you can get to the point where I am. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of these, teachers, whether it's Jesus, Buddhist, Buddha, Krishna, or, you know, like gurus that are living, once you get to a certain point of realization, you move past the need of, of getting that from another person. And you start to understand that, you have it. You, you know the Bible says the kingdom's all inside. Like, what does that mean? It means that everything that these gurus are saying, that these teachers are saying, these holy books are saying, you already know it. It's already in you. Um, so, to, you know, to get back to your original question, I don't have a solid practice that I do every day. You know, I'm a vegetarian. Sometimes I lean on vegan. Sometimes I'll eat a little bit of butter and cheese. You know, and I'll beat myself up about it. Um, where we live now, we live on the side of a mountain in rural Virginia, and I mean, we're just surrounded by nature—deers, foxes, birds, trees—you know, everywhere. So, you know, in the mornings, my wife and I will go outside. We just connect with nature. We just listen to the birds. We, we, we watch the deers run by. You know what I mean? To me, that's that's nature. is my guru now. You know, like that's that's what I listen to. That's what I learn from, and I try to study the patterns. You know, why do the birds fly this way? Why? Why do the deers go and this amount, you know, and I really just try to figure it out and meditate on why the world is the way it is. And to me, that's the practice. And I do it all throughout the day. You know, sometimes I'll just be looking out the window and four o'clock in the afternoon and I'll see a bird fly by and I'll go off on a meditation about that. You know what I mean? Or sometimes I'll get up and I'll do three hours of yoga in the morning because I feel like I need to. Um, so I've sort of just kind of let my body let the world tell me what i need to do and then i I fall into it in that in that way right now yeah and i mean the creating creation of art that's probably my biggest meditation you know every time and that's i lose myself in that when for the time that i'm making that i'm gone i'm not even on this planet you know
0: yeah i was just at a um we were at a local artist a painter who lives locally here yesterday at her studio and i was asking her about her process she does big. Big, bold, a lot of color, and um, she's got a, a few kids, and she drops them off at school, and uh, she'll have this window between like nine in the morning till whatever two thirty to paint, and she has to set alarms for herself, like like to remind herself because she'll get so into it that she'll forget forget the kids, and <laughs> it's like gotta like pull yourself back out, and I I totally get that. Um, are you are you doing like the the artwork the design work uh any of these sorts of things like is that part of like a day like is that part of a structured work for you or is that more ad hoc based on what's going on and and where you're at or like how do you how are you approaching um i guess the you know in inverted commas the work side of it or the the creating side of it
1: um when I was making clothing, uh, especially for uh, Rama and Guru Jagat, that was definitely sort of a structure, you know, like the orders would come in, I would see what I needed to do. I got up, I allowed, you know, this from this time, to this time, or whenever it got done, it got done. And um, I would sort of, you know, the production side of it was very structured. Um, But now I'm sort of, I'm in this space where I feel very blessed you know, I don't know if everyone else would feel super blessed about it, um, but with us, you know, we, we left Los Angeles. We moved out here so that my wife could work on this project with, um, with Nancy, Guru Jagat's mom. And they were they were kind enough to open their homes to us, to be like, you guys can just stay here, you know, without, uh, you know, like you don't have to pay us rent or anything. just 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 stay here and write the book, you know. So I'm finding myself that I have this blessing of time now where I don't mm. have to be as structured as I was mm. before um so as i'm working on this stuff it, it's just it's kind of an all-day thing for me but i don't see it as work i guess that's the trick.
0: yeah i'm you
1: know, going to these these modes like i say where i mean i just create just like your friend you were talking about the artist you were talking about you know even yesterday i was working on something i looked up and it was 6 p.m and i was like what how did it how was it 6 p.m already i thought you know? Um, so that's been a huge blessing that I've been able to create so much content. And I mean, I, I, I've i been creating a lot since I've been here over the past two months. Mm. Um, but now what I'm doing is I'm taking that content and I'm making, I'm redesigning clothes with it. So I sort of allowed myself the space to create. And then once I had enough creations to work with, these doors sort of opened up so that I could put the creations onto clothing and then sell them again. You know what I mean? Which is different than what I was doing before. What I was doing before, it was just like, it was almost robotic, you know? it was Order comes in, churn it out. And I was getting kind of bored with it. But now I've set up a spot where I can get these things made off site. So I'm not the one constantly making them, but also the art in which I created still contains the same resonance as if I were chanting over the thing if I were making it myself. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know if that even answers your question, but I'm just in this weird sort of flexible space right now where I can work with these different energies as, as they come to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things resonated. (laughs) One was how you said that you don't feel like it's work. Um, and I I, I I, a hundred percent feel that also. And I think it's interesting because, I've always thought, you know, you do have, I guess, some kind of boundary between, let's say, the work that I do in here today and then my time, you know, like with Ruby or my time with friends or whatever I'm doing. Uh, there's a there's, there's a boundary in terms of the action or what you're doing, but the way of approaching it mentally or the the amount of energy or love or whatever you want to call it that you put into it. Uh, it gets to a place where it's ex- it's the same. It's just life, right? Like you're, you're working and you get to apply that creativity or you go for walks. So you end up realizing that you're never really doing anything that's kind of weighing you down, like there's challenges or whatever, but you get to sort of approach them in a similar way. Yeah. Um. So the question I have is the NFT world's kind of foreign to me. Um, obviously I've seen like a lot of people like seeing it pop up and then now it's kind of like there's a lot going on and you're all of a sudden behind whoops behind the curve can you talk about how you I'm not sure how far how how deep you're kind of into it like but what what you've seen what you were doing and maybe how that links into your process that you were just talking about right like of creating and then applying things to different uh, mediums and clothing and, and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So with the um now I say like, like literally everything that I create is an NFT <laughs> now that I know about the world. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a shirt, if it's a design, if it's a digital painting, a real painting, like in the back of my mind, okay, this is an NFT or this is going to be an NFT or I'm gonna do something based around the NFT world. Um, and I kind of what that how how it grew out was um Right after Guru Jagat passed away, um, we were in Los Angeles, and you know, like the the community was very obviously sad, and you know, there was a lot of um, a lot of sadness. And I myself was sad. Like, you know, Guru Jagat was a, a good friend of my my wife and I. We wouldn't we weren't devotees of hers, but we were friends, and we were partners, and we were co collaborators, and we worked a lot together. and We liked each other a lot. We were very good friends. Um, so I had a I started working with these sort of digital painting, um, you know, apps and platforms and different programs and stuff like that, and I was kind of just messing around with uh, collage art. And I, as part of my sort of grieving process, I started making these little works of art for people in the community who I knew that loved her and she loved them and you know I just started doing these kind of like little whimsical digital paintings of like their family with Guru Jagat behind it, you know, just little interesting things. And I was just sending them out. And, you know, as I was making them, like I said, it was helping me to get through my own grief. Um, So I sent one to a friend of mine who lives in Mexico. And he replied that it would be amazing for an NFT. And I had no idea what an NFT even was at the time. you know. So I'm like, what's an NFT? So he he calls me and he tries to explain it to me. And up until that point, I mean, I wasn't into crypto or anything like that. It didn't, it just didn't resonate at all with me. I was like, okay, that's a, that's like a never, never land as far as I'm concerned. I started doing a little more research into it and I was like, okay, like this, this is actually kind of interesting. This is an interesting thing. But like you said, I mean, even now it's all that, that bored ape, the monkeys or a scribble and the artistry doesn't even really matter so much as who's making it. You know what I mean? Like if Snoop Dogg does an NFT and, He puts a weed leaf and writes his name on it. It's gonna sell. But what's 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 the artistry in it? What's the what's the utility? What you know what I mean? Um, So I started seeing how this was because it was almost now like um, kind of like sneaker culture is. You know what I mean? Like Nike puts out 300 pairs of this one thing, and especially in Los Angeles, like you'll have kids lining up all the way down the block to buy them. And then you know they they have the cachet of saying that they got the you know 138th pair of this one limited edition shoe and that's to me what nfts sort of were and that took me back to my days as um I, you know before my spiritual enlightenment all that stuff i was in my as a young man i was very into the uh in the british football hooligan scene the casual scene right and um part of that whole scene is the one-upsmanship of clothes like you want to be seen on the terraces with a sweater or a jacket or something that no one else has. And that means you're cool, right? As vapid as that sounds, I was into that for a while. So I know that frequency. Mm. So the NFT thing really resonated with me on that aspect. I was like, okay, cool. Like these guys are collecting it they're. Mm. But also that's kind of right on the surface of what NFTs are. You know what I mean? Like that's just right now what's going on. There's such a greater depth to that world, greater potential that I can see. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm aiming for by just kind of shooting, you know, the sort of a rarity piece of it now, like, okay, this is only one of this, um, but again, what's the utility? What's my utility? I'm not famous, I'm not Snoop Dogg. You know, I can't just scribble on something and say, hey, buy it because I made it, it's gonna be worth something. Mm. What, what was my utility? Um, so I started take, I started talking to a guy, do you know who Gary Vee is? Yeah. Okay, so, so Gary Vee, obviously super big in NFTs and crypto and all that sort of thing. Um, a young fellow who I met at Rama, um, he turned out to be Gary Vee's Instagram guru. So basically, when Gary Vee wanted to join Instagram, my friend was the one who got him his millions of followers and things like that, right? So he's very involved with the NFT world. He's very involved with all that sort of thing. And he started introducing me to um, these higher level NFT people um, He got me, uh, my first NFT, he actually got featured on at NFT on Instagram, which is owned by Mark Cuban, the billionaire guy. And so it didn't like sell right away or anything. You know, people were still trying to figure out what it was, but I made a video to accompany it of like what I'm actually doing with these NFTs. Like what's the point, you know? Um, And I I see, and you can look at this either as dark way or in a light way, you know, In, in, in a couple of years, you know, five, six years down the road, Um once we're past 5G on the broadband, we're in the 6G, that's when your data pillars, like your Facebook data pillar, your Google data pillar, your Apple data pillar, they're all going to be able to be combined. And you know, they're already, I'm sure you've already heard of the metaverse and how things are being bought in there and that sort of stuff. Well, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And and people are going to be living in that. Absolutely. You know, those suits Mm -hmm. are coming, like that movie Ready Player One, I don't know if you saw that movie um i mean that's right around the corner it's going to happen like we literally know people that are working on that stuff right now um and once that happens i mean people are already so far removed from each other it's not going to be too hard for them to jump in a suit and just be there all day you know yeah yeah. which you know from a spiritual perspective that's dark you know you're like man that's that's not cool um but i see it in a different way because i think a spiritual awakening can happen anywhere you know it can happen if you're walking down the street in Manhattan. It can happen if you're sitting on top of a mountain on the Himalayas, and it can happen if you're in the metaverse in a suit. Um, so I started creating what I call sacred relics for the metaverse, like my art. I'm gonna. It, it's it's going into the metaverse. My 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 intention is to trigger people that are in the metaverse into really understanding that there's so much more than even this body in this reality, let alone their avatar in the metaverse. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I have this mission. I mean, I, I really feel very strongly about this mission. I feel very, very strongly to do this, to keep creating digital pieces that people can cling on to and see and will resonate with and be like, "Whoa, what am I even doing in here?" You know, like I just bought a pair of of Nikes that aren't even real that I can't even wear in real life. You know, for the same price as I would a real pair of Nikes, and I'm in this suit and I'm just consuming food and who knows what else. You know, so. If I if even one person, there's a light bulb that goes off, it's like, wait a minute, what what am I doing? What is this? You know, that, that's a success for me. And that's the real motivation that drives me to continuously create the things that I'm creating to ultimately get a plot of land in the metaverse, build some kind of temple in there, art gallery temple that people can come and visit and 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 really see that we're so much more than than even these bodies in this world. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because when you think about Well, from my perspective, what I've seen of the kind of metaverse thing is um, you you think about it, you see these yachts that are selling for 600 grand and the metaverse and real estate and all this. And you're like, all right, Um, it seems to be shifting first towards this kind of hedonistic mass consumption thing and, Mm -hmm. and sensory, how much sensory overload can we get? And so What can i buy and what will that then i'll be able Mm -hmm. to sell it for and it sounds like what you're doing is is noticing that that feeling and then zagging on it a little bit bringing your world into it and saying hey like we can we can we can remember right we can stay Mm -hmm. stay present or we can bring this other element to it uh which is yeah that's really interesting i hadn't even thought about that do you see as the end not outcome but the progression of that that people hang out more in the metaverse or for example around say the temple and the relics and around this area for continued development continued kind of learning and and insight or is that something to bring them back out of the metaverse and then kind of apply it to life or, or both is there is there anything on that
1: yeah, I don't think they're it's mutually exclusive, you know, yeah. I mean, if, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not even really super trying to be preachy in there. It's, it's more like a like a lighthouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, what's that? And then you go in there and you're like, OK, cool. But and, and in either case, like if you're like, you know what, what am I doing in here? This is stupid. I need to be out in real life. And that's what triggers you. Amazing. But I do also see it as a place where these various teachings can also be housed, can be presented in different ways can be presented through art, as opposed to, you know, like, I mean, not a lot of young people today want to sit down and read the Bhagavad Gita, you know, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of a drag. But if you, if you take the elements that I feel are important from that book, and make them into a visual sort of art form, or a video, or some kind of teaching where someone can come in and be like, oh, that resonates, what's, can I go further down that rabbit hole? Or can I read about, you know, the Buddha in this sutra, or, or Christ in the Gnostic gospel, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And not even to sell those archetypal frequencies. I'm not trying to sell Buddha. I'm not trying to sell Christian. I'm not trying to sell Jesus. But what they said, you know, with the the real message behind them was that you create your own reality. You are God and, you know, you're in control of everything in your own reality, you know? Um, So people want to go there and continue to learn and do that sort of thing. But ultimately I'm not looking for followers. I'm not looking for a congregation I'm not, you know, like all that stuff is kind of counter actually trying to, to, to get across to people that, that you can do this, you know, you can live in this world. You can be happy. You can, you can be present. You can be mindful. Yeah. Shit's going to happen. You know, like stuff happens. That's what yoga is about. That's what meditation is about to get you into that space. So when stuff does happen, you can handle it with grace and courage and not you know, have an anxiety attack or, or a nervous breakdown or, or, or worse, you know, commit suicide over something that, you know, in another state of mind would have just kind of rolled off your back a little bit. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Um, you know, I really, I feel pulled to, to help people, but also I've worked in healing centers. I've taught yoga classes. I've taught meditation. And, it, you know, that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I mean, that's that that rings very true. You know, mm-hmm. so my days of kind of like showing people what to do because I think it might work for them. That's over. Now it's more sort of like you got to find your own thing. whatever's going to work for you. Find it. Go down the rabbit hole. Stop when it doesn't resonate anymore. Go mm-hmm. zag into something else. And, you know, the, the spiritual journey should be fun. It should be, mm-hmm. you know, it, it should it, you should have joy. It, it should be exciting. It shouldn't be this kind of boring thing that you get your ear twisted to sit down and listen to a guy on a podium talking about stuff that was written 2000 years ago you know like yeah to me that's boring you know but, yeah yeah
0: yeah 100 percent. that's what i think about with with small business too like you know a lot of the people we work with this solo you know solo with small teams and it's like you know it can get into this grind mentality and like us versus the world and uh at the end of the day though it's like you know the big part of the job is is being able to build the practice to build that energy so that it's it's curious it's fun it's like exciting like of course it's challenge but it's like can we kind of can we kind of create through that um and the thing that i i'm picking up from you is that it's kind of gone full circle it's like through you you know bringing your Let's say authenticity again, like yourself into what you're creating. It's like when we pick up the the t-shirt or the relic or whatever it is in the metaverse, it's like the vibration or the resonance that we get through the work is almost a clue as to not the teaching, but it's it's a clue, right? It's like, okay, cool. Like, this is, this is further along because I'm picking up this guy's work and it feels really good. It feels really like wholesome. There's a lot of good energy here. I'm going to keep following that path. And you didn't really stand up there and, and speak down to people or say anything. You just created through that sort of that life, right? That lens that you had. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like it's important to just you know, kind of be that change, you know what I mean? Be that, be that Mm. thing that you see in the world, you know, and and people kind of reconnect with themselves and ultimately, you know, create whatever it is, whether you're a, you're a cheese maker or a a fabric maker, or you, you know, you paint lines on the, on the highway, like whatever it is, if you can put that energy and that love into what you're doing, I mean, that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And you'll be a happier person in life for doing it, you know, like certainly you'll, is but every day is not going to be like oh god now I got to go do this job that I absolutely hate and you know like you could find grace in it or, or or find another job that resonates more with you you know just really kind of yeah have that having that courage to to look and I think a lot of people are doing it now a lot of people are quitting their jobs you know and kind of getting into their own thing and doing their own thing and and I I think that's a beautiful beautiful thing that's going on right now
0: yeah yeah and there's people bringing that awareness to the jobs now i know a lot of people are working in that space it's like hey you you don't you want to hang you want to stay in this job but then how can we reframe it how can we think about it more you know adventurously or whatever yeah um cool well this has been really uh really interesting i mean i could go for hours but i'm i'm conscious every (laughs) time is there anything else that you know, that you wanted to talk about or that you're working on uh right now?
1: Yeah, I'm actually I actually just released um a couple of shirts and a pair of shoes with my designs on them. Um and I'm uh currently working on sort of a uh a it's an interesting secret project. I don't know if I should say whose subject it is to, but I'm gonna be releasing that soon. Um it should be interesting with uh, it's a clothing item with my art on it again. Um, and, you know, with the art that I create, I really, I really do put a lot of different resonance into it. You know, I don't, I, I use what I call a clean device when I'm doing digital art. And that's a device that's never been like on a negative site that doesn't have negative music ru- ever run through it. Like there's always mantra running through the device that I'm creating on. I really think that it's important to have these kind of elements going when you're trying to create something of a high vibration, you know, like a, just doing these little kinds of things it's you know intention and mindfulness goes into words with the digital pieces because it can be a little hard because they're not tangible you know what I mean so you got to do something different to get on there so I'm always thinking of different ways to put a higher vibration into whatever I'm working on at the moment
0: that's so interesting Uh, we've been thinking a lot about that just in terms of changes in obviously different entertainment industries and different things and uh, you know the the I think I think it's only been in the last couple of years where for us anyway I've started to see what you're talking about is like that whether it's AI or whether whatever the thing is you can find the you know that whether we're talking about like energy or intention there's like there's there's quality and there's good and there's like this lowest sort of thing happening as well yeah. and um yeah, and I was just ignorant to it for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you're like, bang, you can see it. And it's like, you can feel it. I mean, obviously, one's like music, right? You can feel it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the sites and stuff like that, that's super interesting.
1: Yeah, I and mean, when you think about it, I mean, we it's scientifically proven. This isn't like yogic mumbo jumbo. We have a magnetic field that comes out of our heart. It goes at least eight feet in all directions around us, right? I mean, that's been scientifically proven by the Math Heart Institute um, here in the United States. Our devices have magnetic fields, right? So when two magnetic fields cross, there is a section there where information is shared, and you know, AI is learning a lot of nasty stuff from humanity. <laughs> and for me, that's sort of another kind of mission is to kind of help AI understand that not all humans are, you know, sex crazed, consumerist, you know, racist assholes that are constantly typing into it the most awful shit imaginable. You know, that there Mm -hmm. was also people out there trying to bring beauty and understanding through that magnetic uh, information exchange, you know, and I I really, I really believe in that. I mean, when you put a, when you put your smartphone on one of those charging bases, that's magnetism, that's magnetic field transferring the energy from the base into your phone, right? So why can't it go for our heart into an ipad or an iphone or something
0: like that you know yeah yeah train the ai the way that's that's helpful
1: yeah yeah i really believe in it. yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) wonderful well uh where do people obviously i'll i'll share you know on the links and that sort of stuff where else would you like people to go to check out your work or upcoming work or any of these things
1: and so our website's vulcanhouse.com. It's uh, a yeah. two V's V V L C A N H A U S, and um, our Instagram page at Vulcan um, Both of those will showcase uh, NFTs, clothing, um, any kind of workshops we might be doing, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, those are the best places for people to see what we're into.
0: Cool. Yeah, a workshop would be that'd be really cool. I'd love to learn more and and hear more about you know what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, we're working on one um, right now. Got one going. Oh, good, good. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, is Vulcan just last question, Vulcan House, the name. I really, I really liked it when I first saw it. What's the what's the backstory?
1: Oh, well, my wife is a huge Star Trek fan. And you know, okay. Spock is her favorite. So Vulcan was definitely inspired from that. Um and the uh, you know, the the Vulcan sort of motto is infinite diversity in infinite combinations, which is something that we feel very, very strongly about. Um and you know the house it's because we're we're a collective we we do art we do fashion we we write we 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 cook we we publish recipes you know we we're kind of like a renaissance group of, of people so i just thought like uh you know the Bauhaus and the vulcan house like sort of collective of different artists yeah, coming yeah. together yeah i like kind of yeah. uh, resonated yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome okay well thank you so much for your time and uh yeah, we'll we'll be following closely, and I know a bunch of people resonate with your work. I straight away, like I have so many conversations. People do, moving into NFTs, musicians. I've got DJ friends. They're 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 all interested. Everyone's, you know, I think a lot of what you said is really going to resonate in terms of bringing that energy to it. Uh, awesome. So I'm excited to share this, and yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was fun to do. <laughs>
0: Great, great. Well, we'll see you next time. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, that's it for this episode of the Access Potential Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to go check out Narasim work in Vulcan House. You can follow him over on Instagram. And the most helpful thing you can do for me is to share the episode if you found it interesting or useful. All right, we'll see you next time.